Thanks for checking out this message from River Valley Church in Boise, Idaho. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you. For more messages like this, make sure to check out our podcast. And for more content from River Valley, go to our website, rivervalleyboise.com. Enjoy this message. Uh, Today, I'm going to jump right in because I have limited time. But I want to talk about a couple of things. Um, and then, and then, like I said, wrap up with, with kind of just going back to a place of worship. Um, I want to start by saying this, and this is going to preface the rest of, of what I say here. Everything is created with a purpose. Everything is created with a purpose. Okay? Think about that. Whether it's something in creation or something that man has made, it's made with a purpose. My phone is made for a purpose. It's a doorstop. It's not a doorstop. It should be a doorstop. <laughs> this phone has a purpose. How many of you, when your phone does not fulfill its purpose, you're really upset, right? Everything created was made for a purpose. The purpose of all of creation is to bring glory to the Creator. When you look at back to the very beginning of time, you look back to Genesis 1 and you look at the creation of the world, everything that God has ever made was made with the purpose of glorifying the one who made it. I I love what Trey said about the rain. The rain, when it falls, glorifies God. The flowers, when they grow, glorify God. Right? There's this idea that everything that God has created and put into creation is to glorify him. The glory of creation reflects the glory of the creator. This is why we don't worship the things that are made, but this is why we can appreciate the things that are made by God because they point back to an amazing creator. Every time you drive, we, we were at the coast this last week and driving home, we went a different way. And we were, Trey and Marcy were with us, and we were, we were driving up through this pass, leaving outside of, um, uh, of the coast. And it was beautiful. And it was through the evergreen trees and all of the trees. The other trees were changing colors, and, and there, were, there were golds and yellows and reds. And it was just beautiful. You cannot help but drive through going, wow, God. Right? Everything in creation is designed to bring glory to God. And when creation functions the way that it was designed to, or according to its purpose, God is glorified. You and I were created, and our purpose is to worship God. That is why we were made. What's my my purpose in life? To worship God. But but what, what am I supposed to do with my life? Worship God. But does that mean that I sing 24-7? No. Dad talked about this last week. It's how you live. It's how you act. It's how you think. It's the perspective on the world. It's the noticing and seeing the things that God does and worshiping him for that. It's moving beyond a place of just taking things for granted where we stop and we say, you know what? Wow, God is at work. And we worship him from that perspective. The New City Catechism, which is something that Timothy Keller put together has the definition of the purpose of man. It answers what the purpose of man is, and it's this. It's going to be up on the screen. God created us, male and female, in his own image to know him, love him, 
live with him, and glorify him. This is the purpose of mankind. If you look at what is summed up in Scripture, this is what the whole point is. It's not to build myself. It's not to create this life for myself that's just perfect. It's to glorify God. There's a principle that's, that's laid out in the Bible, and I actually heard this from, uh, from a pastor a, a long time ago, and, uh, and he called it the circle of glory, the circle of glory. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna lay it out this way because it's a concept that really just helps encapsulate kind of this whole idea of glory. And it's this, the circle of glory can be summed up in the fact that in creation, God put and wove his glory into all of creation. He shared his glory. He imparted it into his creation, right? Psalm 8. And verses three through six says it this way. It says that, David says, who are mere mortals that you should think about them, human beings that you should care for them? Yet you made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them charge over everything you made, putting everything under their authority. What did God do? He crowned them with glory and honor. God, in creation, shared and put a deposit of his glory into everything that he made. And now we, and all of creation, the glory of God is expressed in creation and completes this circle, okay? When everything functions the way that it should, and when we are fulfilling the purpose for which we were made, which was to glorify God, we return the glory that God wove into creation back to him. And this circle happens and happens and happens. God is continually revealing himself. He's continually showing his glory. He's continually creating things where we look and we go, wow, God, that is so amazing. Look at what you're doing. And we have the choice and the privilege to either be part of returning that glory to God or not. These verses that are up here, let me read them to you. Isaiah 43, 7, God says through Isaiah, bring all who claim me as their God, for I have made them for my glory. And jumping down into verse 21, I have made Israel for myself, and they will someday honor me before the world. And Romans 11 and verse 36 says, For everything comes from him and exists by his power and, get this, is intended for his glory. And all glory to him forever and ever. Amen. So what does this say? So this circle of glory, God wove his glory into creation and we have the choice and the privilege to bring the glory back to him. Now, this is really important. Um, God will get the glory no matter what. That, that part is never in question. God will get the glory. But we have the choice to partner with that and to do our part in expressing that glory back to God. What did, what did Jesus say in the triumphant entry? He's, they're saying, hey, tell everyone to be quiet. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to tell them to be quiet because if they're quiet, I'm going to tell the rocks to cry out. He will get glory. But we have the incredible opportunity with the way that we live our lives. And when we come here on Sunday mornings, we have the incredible opportunity to return that glory that he shared in creation. Isn't that cool? I, I, I love this thought. Now, here's, here's what happened, though. Sin 
breaks the circle and redirects the glory that was meant for God to other things. This is what happened at the fall of man, and this is what happens in our life too. Sin causes us to fail to return that glory up to him. When we live for ourselves and when we worship other things, when we put other things higher than God in our life, we break that circle. And all of that worship, all of that glory that is meant to be for God gets put onto other things. And and this is something that's very sobering that we have to understand. And then if you look at the Bible, and I love how dad walked us through worship in the Bible, but if you look then at biblical history from the time of the fall, what the, the main theme is, it all centers around where the focus of worship is. And whether or not this circle is completed or whether it's broken. You look all the way through, you look at the major and the minor prophets. What's God saying through the major and minor prophets? Listen, listen, return to me. You have a heart of stone, but I'm gonna take that out and I'm gonna give you a heart of flesh so that you can love me and you can serve me and you can worship me. It's a calling from the Father, from the Creator. It's a calling of the Creator to the creation saying, listen, I want you to function the way that I designed you to be. You you see, as you go into the New Testament, that we are supposed to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to the Lord. That This is our act of worship before him. Driving back, we were listening to this podcast that our family really likes. It's called Jesus is Better. And in this podcast, the lady who, who does it, she goes through systematically through the Bible and she explains and, and, and paraphrases stories and tells stories and weaves in how Jesus is better than everything else. It's very, very cool. Well, she just happened to be in 1 Kings and she's going through each of the kings, right? And, and she has her son on there and it's, it's, you know, this one did evil in the sight of the Lord. Ah, for real? You know, this one did what was good in the sight of the Lord. Oh, yay, this one was evil. Oh, you know, it's the back and forth, it's back and forth. But what is the main thing, if you look through Kings and Chronicles, what is the main thing that either set them up as a, as a king who did what was right in the eyes of the Lord or evil in the eyes of the Lord? It was where their worship was directed. They either did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and tore down all of the high places and all of the idols of the two chief offenders, Baal and Asherah. And when they did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, they redirected worship back to him that had been stolen by these other things. And likewise, the kings that did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, what did they do? They went back and they redirected the glory that was due God to another area. Okay, so all of this should be something that kind of gets us thinking. Are, are, are we part of creation that returns God's glory? Or are we the part that redirects it? And you know what I think the answer is? We all do both at different times of our lives. There are moments that with our life and the way that we worship and the way that we love God, we return that glory to the Father. And there are times, and you know it, when that gets directed somewhere else, right? This this is the reality of life. Now, this is the beautiful thing. Jesus came, and when he came, he repaired this circle of glory once and for all. 
He repaired it so that it took care of all the misplaced glory from before and gave an example for all of the glory to come. Okay? He did this. This, this is in, in John 12. He was just anointed as, um, he was just anointed in Bethany when, the, when they came and they, they anointed him with the precious oil and all that. He had just finished the triumphant entry, entry and now he's standing and he's looking over Jerusalem and he's weeping for Jerusalem because they're lost, Right? And he is having this moment of like, like compassion and longing for his creation to return to worship the Father. And, and he says this as he's looking out over the city in verse 27. He says, now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? But this is the very reason that I came. What? Father, bring glory to your name. Jesus' whole point was, God, get the glory that is due your name, that's rightfully yours. It doesn't matter what happens to me as long as you get the glory from it. And the voice came from heaven and it spoke saying, I've already brought glory to my name. Why did he do that? How, how did that happen? He sent his son. He shared his glory. He once again sowed his glory into creation and I will do so again. In as much as the cross was paying the penalty of sin, it's also about God, or Jesus, once and for all, returning glory to the Father. It's this beautiful moment that we see, that when he went through the whole thing, all the pain, all the agony, guess who got the praise? The Father. So we see all the way through creation, that there's this idea that we get to be a part of and that God has given us the privilege as his creation to bring glory back to him. Now, how does that work here at River Valley? At River Valley, one of our core values is this. We live to worship the king. Why? Because he's worthy. We live to worship the king because I feel like it. We live to worship the king because that song was good. We live to worship the king because I'm so thankful it was Trey leading. We live to worship the king because he's worthy. That's it. And so for us here, we want to be different. See, here's the, here, here's the problem that the church in America has started to face. The church in America, worship has been so, become so conditional. I will worship if I feel like it. I will worship if that song is right. I will worship if my favorite worship leader is leading worship. And if not, the presence of God is not there. And we don't actually say these things, but we think them subconsciously. Or maybe we don't just say them subconsciously. But, but here's the thing. God didn't create us to worship if the conditions were right. Worship is centered on who he is. I don't think that David, when, he, when the ark returned to the city, I don't think David, when he was dancing around in his underwear worshiping Jesus, worshiping God, I don't think that he was out there thinking, yeah, it makes me feel right. Or yeah, this is my favorite song. No, he was saying, God, look at what you have done. 
The ark is here. The presence of God, the manifest presence of God is here. And he returned glory to the Father because of that. Guys, we have, a, we have an incredible privilege. And we as River Valley, we get to be different. We want to be a people whose worship isn't determined by conditions, being just right, but who set culture by cultivating an atmosphere where we pursue the heart of God and where he's at the center of our worship and our entire being is used in expressing worship to him regardless of how we feel. This, this is the point. And, and I, I realize that this always gets to be a little bit of a touchy topic because everybody's expressions of worship can tend to be a little bit different. But I do want to challenge us, myself included, that if we were created by God to worship, and if our sole purpose is to return that glory to God with everything that we have in us to point glory back to the Father, I think that we can grow. We have areas where we can grow. Whether it's how we live our lives on a day-to-day -day basis and how we worship God with the life we live or how we worship together in a corporate setting when we gather together. I'm uncomfortable dancing. Okay. But that's not the point. Lifting my hands is, is a challenge. It's an area that we can grow in. It's an area that we can allow God to rototill our hearts and to cultivate, like Dad was talking about, cultivate a new level of worship towards Him. It's an invitation for us to actually move past where we've been to a place that He has designed for us to actually be. So just some challenge for you. The worship atmosphere we want to cultivate is one of using our entire being with all its facets in order to worship the one who created every aspect of who we are. Think about that for a second. In other words, God created every part of us, and we should use every part of us to worship him. Every part of you was created by an incredible, phenomenal creator. Why not use everything that he created to bring him glory back? Okay? You guys doing okay? Okay, I'm going to wrap up. I'm going to try to wrap up. <laughs> so how do we do this? How do we do this? How do we keep this, this worship thing? How do we stir this in our hearts? It's all about an awareness and awe of God that moves us to action. So much of creating an atmosphere of worship is about seeing the revelation of who God is, what he's done, and what he is currently doing, and then using that revelation to move us to action. Okay? This is, what, this is what God wants to stir in us. Um, a perfect example is the Israelites at the Red Sea. Dad talked about this. They saw all the Egyptians washed up on the shore. And what did they do? They grabbed a tambourine and they started worshiping him. Why? Because they saw what he was doing and they gave him glory because of it. Fast forward to Mount Sinai. What happened? They failed to see what God was doing in meeting with Moses and what he was about ready to do in their midst, and they got their eyes instead on a golden calf. Okay, it's a perfect example here. But I love what David says. David says in, in, in Psalm 8, 
when I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers. David had this ability to look and be aware of everything that God was doing. Sometimes it's hard to see what God's doing in my life right now. And I do not mean to, to be cliche in any way, but are you breathing? Do you have clothes on your back? Did, did, are, are, are you able to walk into this place? Did, did you have some sort of food for breakfast this morning? Okay, see, see, here's the thing is that so many times we take for granted the things that God is doing around us. I was, I was, I was talking to my, my childhood buddy, one of my best friends growing up, and he has COVID right now, and he lost his taste and smell. And you never think about how amazing taste and smell is until it's gone. Do you know how boring it is to eat food with no taste? We just went to the coast. And I can tell you, when we had COVID, I don't know, a few weeks ago, my, one of my number one prayers, it was a month ago, I guess. It was a while ago. One of my number one prayers was, God, by the time I get to the coast, I want to be able to smell. <laughs> you know, I want to be able to smell. But we don't think about it. We take it for granted a lot of times. But, but, but I was just thinking about this. I'm just going on a tangent for two seconds. I was thinking about smell. And I was thinking about the fact that our noses have the ability to pick up finite differences in all of the sense that God has created in the world. Like the small, something's not right in my house. I smell something. Right? It's usually Dustin. <laughs> or to be able to taste to taste the, the fine nuances of food and spices that are mixed together and herbs. And when you, when you have a, a meal and you sit there and you're like, wow, that was good. Have we ever gone, wow, that was good. God, thank you for my taste buds. But this is the kind of thing I'm talking about. Are we aware of what God is doing and who he is and what he's already done? And then we worship him from that place. Well, that sounds like we just always have to be thinking about that no matter what we're doing. Uh-huh. Every minute of every day, how is God at work? How is God at work? What is he doing? What has he done? Who is he? When the storms rage and when the water rises and when the world gets all crazy around us, he's solid. He's a firm foundation. I don't have to worry about anything because he is so, so secure. So what does this, what does this allow us to do? Do we take God for granted? Or do we allow the Holy Spirit to help cultivate something new and fresh in our lives? So what we're going for, going back to what Dad talked about, we're cultivating something because we want a certain kind of fruit. If we look at worship here in River Valley, what is the fruit that we are looking for? And I would say it like this, and there's probably a bunch of different ways to word it, but I would say it like this. As people of God who attend River Valley Church, we want our lives to be marked by glorifying God in everything that we do. Big or small, doesn't matter. But to be conscious of what he's doing and to be able to worship him for that. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to have the, ask the worship team to come back up. And, uh, and to, to close our time today, um, I want... I want to give um, a moment for you and me to come 
honestly, honestly, as I say it often, honestly before God and say, God, where have I been off? Just like David said, search me, know me. See where there's anything that's out of whack. And I want us to be able to have the opportunity, the Bible talks about this, this is the powerful, powerful thing, of repenting for where we've maybe minimized worship or where we've redirected worship to someone other than God. To really search our lives and say, in my life, what I'm looking at right now, are there areas where maybe I need to come back into alignment with the purpose that God has created me for? And we're going to be able to do that. I'm going to give you some time to just think and process on your own. And then we're going to sing. And then we're going to celebrate uh, a baptism together. Okay? But, but just as, as the band starts playing here, what I want you to do is, is just close your eyes and shut yourself in with God for a moment. This is between you and him. And online, you can do this as well, right where you're at in, in where you're watching. I want you to just shut yourself in. And I want you to say, God, search me and help me know where have I been off? And where do I need to come back into alignment? Because one thing I know is true. I think we all have the desire to function according to our purpose and glorify God. I don't think there's one person in here that says, no, I don't care about glorifying God. We all are in that place. But it's how do we do that? Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal those areas in your life where maybe things have gotten a little out of whack glory and worship has gotten redirected to other things and take a moment to repent from those things and ask the Holy Spirit to come and give you a fresh focus and a fresh revelation of him that would help you and would give you power and would give you fresh motivation and would give you fresh focus and clarity in who you are and your worship before him so just take a minute right now just with you before God Thanks again for listening to this message. Do you know someone who'd be blessed by it? Make sure to share it with them this week.